Back, my friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. I'm Kevin Williams, that's Robert Harrison, and Hello. we're back here again. Back, back, back. We are back for another week for you, the listener. At least one more week. We, we got, we got one more this. week in us. We, got, we don't know after that. Yeah, we're, I, we're getting up there. Especially the way I feel today. <laughs> Well, tell me about that. How are you doing? Oh, I'm Florida man with your Florida, Florida man shirt on. So yeah, the Florida man shirt. I uh, some time on my hands today. I was working in the shop, so of course I've been listening to music all day. And like a lot of days, I'm kind of listening to it off and on, in and out of my truck, in and out of my car, at home. But today I was in the shop working on a sculpture from eight in the morning until about five o'clock. So it was all day working. And so I have my earphones in. They're also hearing protection. So I'm getting smart these days. And a friend of mine early in the morning reached out to me. She or I saw her comment on Facebook that she was heading down to Florida for a visit and it was to my hometown for Walton Beach, Florida and she was looking for recommendations of places to see and so we started chatting and had a little bit of nostalgia for my uh, my hometown my home state of Florida it doesn't always happen I'm glad to be gone but sometimes I'm like hmm, you know the beach is kind of nice and you know other than hurricanes and tourists so lo and behold I'm looking for music to listen to I'm like I've listened to that listened to that I can't tell you why but all of a sudden I wanted to look for the Miami Vice soundtrack oh what are you on spotify <laughs> yeah oh because i was like wow john hammer i have yeah so john hammer my advice soundtrack i've not i had this in fact this is what i got arrested to was phil collins in the air tonight but it was on oh, the miami vice soundtrack right that's how it started was that was the next song the light turned green as the song started and i was 125 by the time it was the <laughs> and then about the time the song was almost done was about the time the cop showed up <laughs> <laughs> he was a little slower than I was, so it took him a couple of extra minutes to catch up to where we had stopped. Anyway, so I was, was the other that, song, the uh, Smuggler's Blues, Smuggler's, was on there. Uh, it's really good. So uh, Tina Turner, Better Be Good to Me, Smuggler's Blues, several Jan Hammer originals, obviously the opening credits, and then right. like a, a dance version or a longer version of it. But for some reason on Spotify, they had everything except the original soundtrack, but they had this extended soundtrack compilation. So it was Jan Hammer themes for. I think like 12 songs of all just Jan Hammer songs that he had written for the show. So not just on the soundtrack, but songs that appear on episodes. Then it was in chronological order, songs that appeared on the TV show. Oh, So a lot of it was stuff, it was just background, whatever, obscure songs, uh, you know, weird stuff. But then there was all the good rock songs. Because back in the day, if you're young, you don't know about this. That was the show to get your music on. And so I'll have to, I meant to make notes and so we can talk about this, but there are a lot of rock bands, obviously like U2, The Who were on there. A lot of name brand stuff, but there was one band, I think it was called The Red, and they had like four songs and never got big. I'd never heard of them. The Red. Well, so, I have to go check that out. Yeah, I don't, so I don't remember that. It wasn't rock rock. It was more new wave rock. Oh, okay. It, I just felt so sorry for them. They had four songs throughout the course of being on Miami Vice and never struck it big. Their managers were <laughs> like, I'm putting all our money yeah. on Miami Vice. Okay, the first it's two. going to work. The first two didn't work. We got a third one. Okay, the first three didn't work, but this fourth one. Oh, it's going to break. It is going to break the band. You guys 
only owe yeah. the record company $2 million. So it was like six hours of Jan Hammer, Miami Vice related stuff. So I'll put on my Florida Man outfit. It's not just the shirt, it's the shorts and the bare feet. Mm-hmm. So this is the official uniform of Florida Man. I wish I could say there's some sort of tie-in to the theme today, but I don't think no. the spirits are going to be that kind. We'll have to do that again at some point. Like I said, I was supposed to do my homework and have a whole bunch of notes and you know, like you do, and it'd be all detailed, but I didn't do it. I watched video on old cars or something like that on YouTube. <laughs> now, what is the saying? What is it you do with Florida Man? It's you go on Google and you type in your birthday and uh-huh. you type for any man. day, right? You just type yeah, Florida day. Man for any day and yeah. you get some ridiculous news uh, story. Crazy person. Florida Man brings crazy. alligator into Walmart. <laughs> Florida Man gets pulled over while should driving we, naked. Should we try one live? Yeah, just go for it. If you can do it quick enough. Let's see here. I'm pretty slow at the Googling. Let's see here. What date should we put in today's date? Yeah, September whatever today is. Is it Tuesday? <laughs> it's today's Monday? the 19th. It's the 19th. Yes, we're recording All this right. on the 19th. You may be listening at another date. But. September 19th. I'm just going to leave it open. Yeah. Florida Man. <laughs> of course, this is the first thing that comes up in the search. Okay. Naked Florida yep. Man starts house fire after baking cookies. On a George Foreman grill. <laughs> nice. Oh my God. That is better than I could have made up. That is God awful truth right there. So that's. He's naked yeah. baking cookies. And it's mostly on North a George Florida. Foreman. I would say three quarters of those are North Florida. I mean, South Florida, there's a lot of, you know, it's a melting pot. But in North Florida, you get the true Florida man. But from about Orlando North, that happened. I'm glad to be out Here's there. Here's the for South Florida reasons. one. Naked Florida man burns house down making churros. <laughs> <on> <laughs> <laughs> Some plantains. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So it, was, it was lots of entertainment. But yeah, so that was my theme for the whole afternoon. I, I, I cleaned up just for you because I was filthy from uh, making... It's sculpture season. Well, after you get buck-ass naked and burn down your house, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast. State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podkiss, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and Don't Forget About Monty, Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I checked. We do not have our quarterly review in yet. I'm sure it's on its way because you who are listening right now, you're actually going to your phone and you're putting in a mm-hmm. review and it's going to be five stars. But you know we did get a review on? What's that? My tiny fire truck. Oh, we did. Okay. Okay, let's posted, hear a, posted a photo. You did. We got like eight thumbs up. All right. So really good. Well, thumbs up's not Tony, a review. T- well, but Tony Griggs likes it and he wants a ride. Oh, well, come on down, yeah, Tony. Yeah, you got to come down here. I don't think I'll make it that far north. He has a kick-ass sound system in that thing. He can blast some rough cut for you yes. and just drive around. Absolutely. Blanket <laughs> invitation if you want to come ride in a tiny fire truck. All right. Well, I got to tell you, Robert, the other night I was awoken again at exactly 4 a.m. You got to do something about that. Have you tried the- drugs? I think that's the witching hour. I think it's just the spirits. They that's when they hit me. Oh, okay. So I saw an ominous light. That's coming. when my uh, bladder hits me usually. <laughs> Well, it could be the bladder spirit. Yes, bladder spirit. <laughs> I don't want to be visited by the bladder spirit anymore tonight. Thank you. I will drink so much beer. I'm sorry. Oh, I got a bladder goblin. Okay. <laughs> yes, so I was woken at 4 a.m. and there was an ominous light coming from underneath the door. No, I do have children, so. Yeah, they run around the house. I'm like in, sleepwalking. Yeah, I'm like, what are they doing? So I go into the hallway and it was a moving light, the kind of light that you would see from a television. 
television, right? That mm-hmm. maybe that kind of flickering. Yeah, kind of flickering, kind of swirling thing. And so I, I saw it was coming from my oldest daughter's bedroom, and I'm like, she doesn't have a TV. So Good, keep it that way. What? Yeah. So what could that be? Maybe she left her iPad on. So I crept to her room. I listened didn't hear any sound. I opened the door cautiously because I could see she was still asleep. Her room was filled with swirling light. Hmm. It was her... Was it the disco lights? It was her lava lamp. Lava her lamp. lava lamp was on. However, oh. I put her to bed and the lava lamp was not on when I put her to bed. Was she having a groovy dream? I don't know. I figured it was a message from beyond. That's how I took it. Could be that she got up and cut it on. But I'm assuming this was a message from beyond. So today, Robert, episode 145 Acid Rock in yes. Proto Metal from the Crypt. Yes. Volume 4. By special request. By, yeah, well, maybe the spirits listen to you. Yes. Or maybe you did I, it. I like this. <laughs> so this is our fourth in this series. We've covered the history in episode 3, episode 32, and 86. It's been a while since we've done Acid Rock, so we are due. What is it we're talking about? If you love the metal that came to be in the 80s and beyond and thought that's where it came from, you thought maybe... Maybe it came from classic rock like The Who, Cream, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Purple Kiss, Aerosmith, Rush, Hawkwind, whatever. Purple Kiss. Yeah, it sort of did. But the 1970s, there were just a ton, and even the late 60s, there were just a ton of what they called acid rock bands at the time, Mm -hmm. which was really just hard, distorted, guitar-driven rock that people didn't understand, so they called it acid rock. And maybe people were dropping acid and doing lots of things, too. But, you know, maybe, maybe. Are you kidding me? Maybe. But that's what we call proto-metal. So it's the stuff before they really called it metal. Before it was heavy metal. Or yes, metal. before it was heavy metal. It was a prototype. But there were a ton of bands that a lot of us don't know about because mm-hmm. if you think about the 1960s and 1970s, if you didn't have a major distribution deal or a major record label, you were pretty much going to be a regional band. And there, there was no FM radio really no. to speak of until the mid-70s? Mid-70s really is when that exploded, I believe. And really, if, you, if it wasn't word of mouth, you didn't know about these bands. Yeah. You know, and they didn't have colleges back then, so there was no college radio. That's right. They, that's before they got educated. <laughs> I mean, really, though, there were just this tons of bands, but they were just in pockets all over the, yeah, the country right. and all over the world, really. So only in the digital age have we started to discover a lot of these bands who maybe pressed 500 records mm-hmm. and then went away. And a lot of these bands are really damn good. So it's been a whole lot of fun over the last 20 years trying to collect all these digital releases from these bands that I've just never heard of that came from the 70s, came from the 60s, who were part of that whole acid rock scene. If you try to get the vinyls, highly highly collectible and very pricey. Digital has been great for me because I don't like to spend that kind of money on the vinyls. Unless it says kiss. Unless it says kiss. Yeah, we'll come back to that in just a second. It takes up the whole page when you write it out like that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into our first band tonight. And this is probably the one that I have picked out here that most people who are really into metal will have heard of. This is a power trio from New York City who only released two albums, but whose band members went on to much bigger success with some major artists. So formed in 1969 by a guy named Richie Wise and two teenagers named Kenny Aronson and Mark Bell. This is a band called Dust. You ever heard of Dust? No. Okay. Well, I'll tell you who these guys are. I up a lot of it, though, in my shop. Richie Wise is best known as the co-producer of the first two albums by that band that uh, used to put the paint on their faces. And Oh, yeah, they still do it. What's their name again? We just said it. uh, Insane Clown Posse? Not them. (laughs) King Diamond? No. Um... (laughs) The King Diamonds. Diamonds. Uh, no, I'm thinking of, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yes. There's your second kiss connection with a K. Yes. Damn. Double Rich, whammy. Double whammy. Yes. Richie Wise and Kerner, they produced the first two kiss albums. So that's how we know oh, Richie Wise. Okay. Mark Bell, he would later assume the surname of Ramon. Oh. And he would become Marky Ramon, the Ramon drummer. So he was in a proto metal band before the Ramones. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Now, Kenny Aronson, he became this major gun for hire bass player. He's currently with the New York Dolls. He's played with. Edgar Winter, Joan Jett and the Black Arts, Dylan, Billy Idol, Billy Squire, he's done all the Billies, Foghat, he was in that band HSAS, which we played the Whiter Shade of Pale cover. It was mm-hmm. it was Sammy Hagar, Neil Sean, Michael Shreve, and Kenny Aronson. Wait, wait, go back. You said he's currently in the New York Dolls? Currently in the New York Dolls. Is David Johansson the only original member left? I believe so. The rest have died. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, pretty much. He's also played with Brian Setzer, Hall & Oates, the Leslie West Band, Rick Derringer, Blue Usher Colt. I mean, this guy has played with everyone. So these guys went on to do a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Dust just never kind of got off the ground, but I'm going to play something from their second album called Hard Attack. H A R D. H A R D. And this is a song called Suicide. Thank you. 
All right, I've already forgotten. What year did you say that came out? 1972. Okay, so it was post-Sabbath, but it's, the music itself is very Sabbath-like, mm-hmm. uh, not the vocals. Blue cheerish. Yeah, yeah, that bass solo. I can't even, it's a soliloquy, not a soliloquy. He was the only one playing. Mm. Did you notice that? Well, you know the song was called Suicide, and I think it was called that because it's suicide if you put a bass solo in the middle of a song. It really <laughs> it will not get played. Guaranteed it will not get played. Yeah, but that was so <laughs> badass. Oh, man, I love it. A young Lemmy Kilmeister probably heard that and went, hmm. There's a reason he went on to play with all of those groups that yeah. I named. I mean, just phenomenal bass player. And have you ever heard Marky Ramone play that many different time signatures in no. one song? Yeah. I mean, I love the Ramones, that's not Ramone-style drumming. Yeah, he probably had two or three different, basically, styles that he could just pull it from. Three beats. Three beats, and the truth. That was a great song. Very acidic. I mean, it could have come from... acid rock. Acid, actually, the drug, but it's also, I guess, more acidic than the Beatles-style rock and roll that had been prominent during the 60s, I guess. Yeah, it just gone away. I mean, Hendrix had just passed away in, what, 70, so that's taken all that stuff that was happening a lot of his stuff was you know blues bass yeah but yeah. i could see him going in that direction that he would kind of get tired of that and want to do something else he would have either done this kind of thing or he would have done jazz fusion gone all the way over to jazz fusion yeah. i could see that too which was also going on at the same time and it was also kind of part of the same scene because yeah. this is the type of album that you know burners would just throw on the, mm-hmm. the record player put on those big ass headphones that they had back then and just find smoke a, a bowl find a bean bag find a bean bag and cut the lava lamp <laughs> on. I told you that story about my great aunt who, she was a foster mother for several kids Mm -hmm. and in the 70s when I was little, she had this one guy, I can't remember his name, but he was there for a long time, but she gave him the upstairs and her huge, she was very wealthy, Mm -hmm. she had a huge house and she gave him this upstairs bedroom and he painted the walls completely black and I remember walking in there as a kid and it was still there in the 80s, so I would go in and like, whoa, just space out, but he had all this great 70s album still in the room Uh and you could just tell he had the black light posters all over the wall. You could just tell, like, this guy used to just trip out and play some amazing music. See, what's that smell come from up there? <laughs> yeah, and this was in South Carolina, yeah. so pretty cool. Lots of places to grow it. All right, so let's move on to the second one, and I'm probably going to get a little more obscure here as we go on. So here's a band from Germany. Same year, 1972. I think 1971 and 1972 were, like, the years for acid rock breaking out. Now, Hawkwind was around their first album. Yeah, it was I around mean, that were, same time. I think they were sixty. So was it, oh, sixty. Okay, I think they were coming out. Of I knew it was the early seventies, but late sixties. Okay, yeah. So this is a band from Germany. Now in Germany, there was a thing going on at the time, and probably not PC, but it was called Krautrock, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like this really way out avant-garde kind of sounds, like making weird sounds with things that aren't even instruments, mm-hmm. and putting that on recordings, and then also having like this real acid rock flair to it. But this band is not Krautrock. They're more of what I would just consider a, a great acid rock, hard rock band, but they had an English vocalist, so that's why they got a little more attention maybe than some of the bands that were singing in German. They only released one album in 1972, and I might have, allegedly, I might have gotten this album maybe from a BitTorrent back in the day when I was uh, trying to oh, find a lot of these things. coming after you now. Well, I'll tell you, I, interest. I stopped doing that when our friend Eric, one of the last mm-hmm. conversations I ever had with him, he told me, he's like, you still doing the BitTorrents? And I said, yeah. He said, you need to stop soon because they're going to start cracking down. Oh, he, he told me that. 
little ominous warning. Yeah, he gave me the ominous warning. All right, that's fine. I'll crack down. The only thing I was getting off the BitTorrents were these obscure things that I couldn't yeah. find anywhere. And I found some gold mine stashes that I took from people. I, I may have downloaded a total of 10 things, yeah. and seven of them were not what I thought they were going to be, or they're mislabeled. <laughs> and I just got frustrated and stopped. So thankfully, I'm an idiot and don't know how to do computers. That saved me from owing a lot of money. So I'm fairly certain that's where I got this release. And this band is called Blackwater Park. Now, if you are a major metalhead, especially if you're into death metal, you're going, hmm, the band Opeth had an album this really famous called Blackwater Park. Well, guess what? Mike Ockerfeld of Opeth named that album after this band. Fan of Asura. You know what it's I mean. It's a tribute. Yes. He did it as a tribute. It, it, he didn't play this music. Right. He was into this band. Here's a German band called Blackwater Park from the only album, Dirtbox 1972. I'm going to play a song called Mental Block.
that was, I don't want to say odd. It was just a weird pairing of really fuzzy guitar sounds, but a clean Hammond. Mm, real it, clicky sound. Clicky. I, I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but it just, I would have expected trippier keyboards. But this is pre, not pre, but in the early days of the Moogs and synthesizers. So maybe that was. Yeah. So 1972, think about what bands in the hard rock singer huge, Deep Purple. Yeah. And Deep Purple was driven by that Hammond mm. from John Lord. Now, John Lord ran his Hammond through a Marshall. That, okay, now that's what I'm thinking. distorted think- it. Okay, that's why I was thinking that was it was a different. clean Hammond. That's it. Okay, so I'm used to hearing it run through the Marshall amp. So you had the Leslie going on yeah. it, but it was more of a clean, almost church sound to yeah. it versus that Marshall crank okay. Hammond. that's what it was. That's what it was. But I love that guitar tone. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, like yeah. a Hendrix guitar mm-hmm. tone. Really, really Real good. fuzzy, real good. Awesome stuff. All right, well, let's move on to a blues-based progish hard rock acid rock psych band. They just cover it all. From Memphis, Tennessee. You don't really think mm, about that. No. Well, if it's from Memphis, it better be blues-based. It is some... blues-based. It is from, yeah. <laughs> At some point. Playing in Memphis. Yeah. yeah. You got to have some blues. So this is a, a band from Tennessee that, I mean, honestly, if you're an acid rock band in 1971 and you're in Tennessee, chances are it's going to be hard to get noticed. You're the only gig in town <laughs> yeah. for that style of music. They were real in step with what was going on in 71. Again, think about this was the year of the breakout of the hard rock bands as they became a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. acid rock was kind of more underground. You're starting to see big bands like Purple get some attention. Sabbath, Grand Funk, Uriah Heep, Alice Cooper, Zeppelin, Mountain. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these bands are starting to come to some pretty big prominence. And like I said, there's a ton of bands out there who go, I want to do that too. I'm going to play this acid rock too. But again, where you were regionally kind of limited you to Mm -hmm. your success at that point. Great Hammond organ again in this song that I think you're going to hear. Very much a driving organ sort of like Purple and Heap. And again, another band that's just a one and done. If you can find this vinyl, Mm -hmm. you're going to spend some money on it. This is a band called Alamo. Alamo from Tennessee. I remember that. Do you remember the Alamo? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Why would a Tennessee band call themselves Alamo? I don't Did know. Did they visit it in high school? I don't know. I don't know. For those of you not in the States, the Alamo is in Texas. Yeah, it's not close. <laughs> not close to Tennessee. It's a couple of days drive. Yeah. Back then. I don't know. I'm not sure that's the greatest name for a acid rock band, but that's what they named their band. And guess what's on their album cover? The Alamo. The Alamo. How about that? Mm. <laughs> I know from uh, Ozzy, I learned you don't pee on it. That's right. He got incarcerated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Note to self. Don't pull that stunt when you go. <laughs> Hello, Dottie. It's me, Pee-wee. Where are you calling from? Texas. Where? Honest. Listen, I'll prove it. The stars at night are big and bright. Big in the heart of Texas. Hi, and welcome to the San Antonio Department of Parks and Recreation official Alamo tour. My name is Tina. Excuse me, Tina, but could we go straight to I'll the... I'll tell ba- you what. Let's hold all questions until the end of the tour, okay? But I- Thank you. This mission, the Alamo, from the Spanish word for cottonwood tree, was established in the year 1718. That was the same year that our lovely city was founded by the Spanish Expeditionary Force on the site of an Indian burial mound. Upon this battlement in 1836... 200 Texas volunteers, including such heroes as Davy Crockett, Bill Travis, and Jim Bowie, fought off an onslaught of 4,000 Mexican troops under the command of General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. (laughs) 
At this time, I'd like to conclude our tour, and I mean it. Y'all have been one of the greatest groups I have ever worked with, really. <laughs> okay, are there any questions? Yes. Where's the basement? Excuse me? Aren't we going to see the basement? <laughs> There's no basement at the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> So this thing, like I said, with all of these others, it's been released digitally in the last 10 to 15 years, so that's why I have a copy of it. Mm -hmm. This one I actually paid for, I remember. Good for you. We're going to listen to a little Alamo from 1971. This is a song called Question Raised.
was dangerously close to funk. I mean, it was as close as you can get to funk without actually being funk rock. Mm. I loved it. That was very almost sly in the Family Stone. His voice, soulful voice with the keyboards and the God, that was got heavy. a big grand funk vibe. Yeah, that and too. that is heavy bass chords. Oh yeah. Boom, dun, 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 dun. I mean, both of us, we were just our heads were God, just going. That was man. good. That, that is you can't sit good still and listen to that. Shit. You're dead. You're dead inside. Now we remember the Alamo. <laughs> yes, remember that. I don't remember the band's name though. What was it? <laughs> that oh, was really man. good. I think the only thing that was odd about that song is it took a while for the ludes to kick in for the guitar player in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was starting his lead and it was like, I don't know if I can catch up. I don't know. Oh, okay, they kicked oh, in. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That's right, baby. Well, it's like when you started this song, I was just kind of listening. Then the foot was tapping. Then the head oh, was yeah. bobbing. Oh, then yeah. the butt was wiggling. The guitar player was the same way. He's like, oh, okay, here we go. Some good stuff. It's all right. It gets into you. The groove gets you. 1971. Go check out some Alamo. That shit's awesome. Okay, now, next is a band who took their name from Mr. Sam Slagheap. Sam Slagheap? Mm-hmm. S-L-A-G, Slag? Yes. Heap. Do you remember Sam Slag Heap? That's a horrible name. He was the leader of the loyal order of the water buffalo. They also called him the exalted Grand Poobah. The original Grand Poobah. I mean, I've used that name before. I didn't know where it came from. Yes, yes. Speak, oh exalted Grand Poobah. It's amazing, Barney. Must be that cokey hat he's wearing. (laughs) Members of the Women's Auxiliary... We are faced with an emergency. Group A will do the cooking. Group B will do the washing and ironing. Group C will do the cleaning and dusting. I have spoken. Has anyone anything to say? You're out of your cotton pick and mind. Do you not know this reference? No, I don't. It's totally escaping you. No. Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> I actually never watched. You never watched the Flintstones? I mean, I watched a couple episodes. I was, I'm an in-betweener, so I am not old enough to have seen it when it first came out. Because it was like The Simpsons. It came out at night back when back it originally aired. Back in the 60s, aired. yeah, yeah. But when it came on as reruns, it was either in the time of the afternoon where I was already outside playing, or first on Saturdays, it was like late on a Saturday morning. Once again, I'd already ate my Frankenberry or my Captain Crunch or something. And I was already on a sugar rush running around the yard in circles, <laughs> climbing trees, doing things you're supposed to be doing. Well, see, I was age. a lazy kid, so I would watch it all the time in yeah. the afternoon. So I loved the Flintstones. Yes, uh, Fred Flintstone was a member of the loyal order of the water buffalo. But like I said, I've used which, that reference not knowing where I've gotten it from, but that was at the Grand Poobah. Which was like the Shriners, basically. The they were, they were kind of poking at the Shriners. Yeah. And yes, the leader was the Grand Poobah. That was Sam Slykeep. So this band, this acid oh, so, okay, rock now band. now I get it. I'm sorry. Their name is Poobah. Poobah. <laughs> Poobah. Which I'm sure at the time was like, ah, okay. yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> 50 years from now, they won't know, but that's cool. This is a band from Youngstown, Ohio, founded in 1972, and their first vinyl, if you can find this thing, or if you own this thing, it goes for right around a thousand bucks for a single vinyl. Wow. 
Yeah, amazing. Now, they only pressed 500 copies, and this band is the only band that we're talking about today who are actually still around. Mm -hmm. They've released a total of 14 albums from 72 to 2020, so if you can find that 72 vinyl, that's why it's so treasured, is because this band existed beyond just Mm -hmm. the one album. The guitarist, Jim Gustafson, he used a small inheritance he got from his grandmother to record that first album, and he recorded it in a small studio in Ohio, and it actually had great success on local radio stations back in 1972. They pressed 500 copies. They sold out in one day. That's impressive. Even if you're a local band, that's pretty damn impressive. This band went on to support artists like Ted Nugent, Canned Heat, Alice Cooper, ZZ Top, Lewis Colt, Uriah Heap, Foghat, Judas Priest, James Gang. They even supported Cheech and Chong. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Hey, Cheech. Hey, hey, man. Look, look. Hijo de la chingada, man. Where'd you get that? My sister gave it to me. Yeah, what is that, man? What does it look like? Looks like Coke. Yeah, <laughs> it smells like Coke, too. All right, man. Hey, well, let's party, man. Give me some. No, no I can't. That's got to last me. Hey, man, come on. Give me a hit, man. No, I, I, I'd like to, man, but I, I don't want to be responsible for turning you into a drug addict. Oh, man, I ain't going to turn into a drug addict. Come on, uh, man. Give me a little hit. Man, it's just bad for you, man. Don't you read Ann Landers? Man, come on. No, I don't give you a brain damage, man. Come on, man, just give me a little bit, man. Come on. No. Hey, come on, please. No. Oh, man, come on. No, that's all I got, man. Oh. I could get laid with this, man. <laughs> okay, I don't want anything. Good. Hey, man, don't be so chicken shit, man. Give me some. <laughs> come on, man. No. Just let me smell it then. Come on, just let me let me, let me hold oh, it just okay. for. You can just smell it. Just, just smell, smell it. it. I, that's all. All right. You promise you won't take any? I promise. Put my heart open. Okay. I have hundred needles in my eye. Come on, okay. give me some. Let's go, oh, man. Let's smell the. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. That's so bad. No shit. <laughs> Hey, don't drink that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I'm gonna die. Hey, watch the road, man. I'm gonna die. That's pretty cool. And like I said, they have a bunch of albums compared to the rest of these bands. Yeah, this is the only one. This is the only one that's that's still existing to this day. Their last album came out in 2020. So Jim's still doing it out there. And this is a true acid rock band. And they're one of those bands that has the, you know, 20 minute long jam songs. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of a jam band, but they're an acid rock jam band. So it's not the jam band that diddly, a lot diddly, of people diddly, diddly. go uh, snore. Yeah, this me. is not snore. This is like Hendrix style yeah. jamming. So I'm going to play a song that's it's the longest song we're playing today, but it's not anywhere near what they do on some of their albums. So I had to be real choosy with what I played. Here's a song from that very first album, which I do not own the vital. The album's called Let Me In. The name of this song is Mr. Destroyer.
as long as that song was, they could have dragged the ending out a little bit more. <laughs> and my God, somebody was having a bad trip in the middle of that song. True acid rock Ooh, right there. I have never, let me knock somewhere, never had a bad acid trip. Had good ones and just, meh, acid trips. <laughs> like, yeah, it was all right. You know, I felt okay, but you know, I wanted to just go to sleep. But God, yeah, if you were actually on a trip, let's just play some music and you're listening. Oh God, no. Once again, <laughs> my comparison to the middle of Echoes, you know, like, right. oh, this is a pretty song. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. Oh God, it's scary. Okay, now it's pretty again. Okay. This was like a, something in between Hawkwind and Floyd. Yeah. is what this was. You and, know, Hawkwind had that driving doom, 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 doom. Yeah, very much. Very driving yeah, beat. Yeah, very much so. And I was also thinking how much more fun it was to be a baby player in the 70s versus the 80s because we've always make fun of hair metal bands dum, 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 eighth playing notes, the, eighth notes, the yeah. same note the entire song and these guys holding were, down the root yeah, yeah man these guys were all these guys are just leading walking basically. the dog with it yeah <laughs> doing chords doing solos i mean well i remember very vividly i remember getting into music as a kid and thinking when i was starting to understand the separation between instruments mm-hmm. and what was playing what and 80s music is what i knew that's what was yeah. current and i remember hearing some some rainbow and deep purple and bluish occult and just my mind was blown because I'm like wow the bass is that's unlike anything I've heard so wait they allowed those guys to play all those other notes yeah, they, not just that one note they actually don't have to have one hand behind their back <laughs> smoking while they're playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I do I remember that and I also remember thinking wow the drums because the same thing the rhythm section in general is just a yeah. lot looser in the 70s yeah. and the drums you'd have a lot of ghost notes and you know a lot of snare work that in the 80s it was like boom tap boom tap it's about the spinning of the sticks yeah, and it, having your drum set twirl well it was just about laying down the beat yeah. it was kind of that funk thing but in the 70s it was just loose and all over the place mm. and think of mitch mitchell <laughs> yeah just, I mean, more just sloppy drums jazzy keith Moon. jazz oriented yeah all right moving on we have gone four songs in an acid rock episode and we have not had a single british band so we have to correct that now here's our first british okay. band this is another one of those one and done bands who is very very, very famous in the vinyl collector circles. This album, again, brings a whole lot of money if you have it. They have re-released this one, so it probably took the value down a little bit. But this was a British band who put out a worldwide release on Durham Records in 1972. So they were on a major label. And it was produced by none other than Ian Gillen, the singer of Deep Purple. And the name of this band is Jerusalem. And at the time, Ian Gillen said, This band excites me very much. They're rough, they're raw, they're doomy, but they have their own strong identity. Unfortunately, they were one and done. They supported shows for Deep Purple, Sabbath, Uriah Heep, and Status Quo, major artists of that time. The two guys that split the band would go on to form a three-piece band, so they couldn't get a hit with Jerusalem. So smart guys that they Mm -hmm. are, they're like, you know what? We're going to form a trio. We're going to do a trio band, and we're going to call the band Pussy. <clears throat> That'll sell. Yeah. And 1970... 1972, Yeah, yeah. That went over real, like a Led Zeppelin. So if you can find the Pussy album, that one's also worth a lot because it, 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 there was only you one. You can spend your whole life looking for it, yes. frankly. <laughs> and many do. <laughs> <laughs> and a fortune at the same time. Now, in 2009, one of the guys had the original two-inch tapes, and so it got remastered because this was kind of an infamous band. It got remastered in 2009. They released this album by Jerusalem, and eventually they released the Pussy album in 2012. So now you can find both of them fairly easily. This one is pretty famous on the retro scene. Again, the band's Jerusalem. The album's called Jerusalem. We're going to play the song When the Wolf Sits. 
man, he got his money's worth out of that whammy bar. <laughs> The tremolo was new back then. <laughs> so what does this thing do? Oh, that's what it does. <laughs> I didn't really hear any doominess, but maybe back then in that context of what was going on, maybe it, it could have sounded a little doomy. But well, if you're smoking as much as Ian Gillum was back then, maybe, it sounded doomy. <laughs> the dog sitting in the corner seemed doomy to him. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it was okay. I mean, that didn't that didn't quite catch me as the uh, some of the earlier songs that it definitely fits in with that category. It didn't make my foot stomp or maybe want to get up and yeah, headbang to it, but it was just like, yeah, okay, it was there. What I thought was interesting about that song and a lot of these bands from the S-Rock era is the guitarists are doing a lot of single note things. They're not doing as many chords That's a good as point. you think about today. Yeah. Like if a guitarist is playing for the most part today, he's playing rhythm, mm-hmm. he's playing chords. But back then, I mean, there were two guitarists on that track and they're both playing single note kind of runs and riffs. Yeah, they've had a couple where they were leading at the same time, but one was lower in the mix. So it was kind of a harmony, but not quite. They're just doing their own thing, but it blended well. But it's definitely single note. It's not, yeah, it's, I wasn't hearing like yeah, even a two string chord. Yeah. It wasn't right. a power I, never, chord. I didn't think about that. Now I got to listen for that. Something I've just noticed. And that band, even though that's a very famously obscure band that now everybody knows, mm-hmm. they were super sloppy. That <laughs> recording is super sloppy. And that was produced by Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. So, well, well, as you mentioned, he may not have been completely yeah, so. sober. I'm thinking they the had a whole lot of fun recording that album, is what I'm thinking. Nothing wrong with that. Was that take okay? Don't worry about it. Who Don't cares, worry about it. Come in man. here. Come in here. It's all good. Let's get some, let's get some lunch. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to another German band who plays very heavy acid prog. Big influences on this band from Zepp and Sabbath. Pretty damn good to Ooh, me. Okay. Another one and done. One album in 1972. They didn't have any success outside of Germany, so they just decided that's it. They're done. Okay. They but didn't try Sweden? They didn't try Sweden back they then. Have. I don't think Sweden had woken up yet. Yeah, they just opened up. Sweden was a new country they back were, then. They were new. Yeah. So the album would eventually, later in the 70s, make its way to British and American underground scenes. And many fans of late 70s and early 80s thrash and stoner and doom and power metal and even prog metal would be influenced by this band. So it was kind of cool. Like they never got their time when they were around, but now people who are in famous thrash bands still talk about this band. Their name is Night Sun, and they put out the one album, Morning. Oh, sad. Yeah, sad yes. morning. They, Good it's, morning. It's morning with no G. So. Okay. And the song I'm going to play is called Nightmare. And the only other thing I could find about this band, other than just their influence, was that the guitarist, Walter Kirchgesner, <laughs> later switched. Oh, he's German. That's uh, a yeah, good sure. German name. That was a good try. Hmm. He later switched over to playing classical music. In fact, he plays cello 
and he's been playing in symphony orchestras around the world since then. Wow. <laughs> Originally in an acid rock band. Well, you know, did you hear the story about Randy Rhodes? It was maybe an interview or something that he was getting bored playing rock guitar, that he always wanted to go into classical guitar or something like that. I remember some interview somewhere talked about that. I could see that a lot of musicians. That was going to be his next step. Was next step was just play. like quit the Ozzy <laughs> band and just do, because cl- of course all his stuff sounded classical. All of his leads and things like that was heavily influenced by that. So I could see that happening. Well, here's and a classical. And then somebody write a really big check and he would have come back for another <laughs> reunion tour. Right. Well, let's listen to a classical cellist play this music. <laughs>
it's funny how you mentioned thrash bands later would cite this band as an influence and i was kind of rolling my eyes i'm like ah, how could that possibly be and you played it you could draw a very straight line from this song all the way to whiplash Metallica. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. it's just a straight line, and it's so amazing passing to hear through this. the new wave of British heavy metal. As yeah, you go right, there. right, right through that. But then I could see exactly how Metallica ended up at Whiplash because this song. I've never listened to an old song like this and thought of it as thrash. And mm -hmm. but you, since you mentioned it, it was in my head. I'm like, oh my god, that's it. And it was just this epiphany of yes, thrash metal did not start in 1984. It's the beginnings of the roots go back to. I mean, I'm oh, also thinking Sweet Ballroom Blitz that I've never thought of as a thrash song. It just kind of a silly song to me and then now i'm listening to it going oh okay i can see the the, the foundations of thrash metal starting big connection to speed king deep purple as mm -hmm. well it's the same uh, probably the same tempo and speed king because these bands were doing a lot of speed too yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> it was propelling them yeah, forward it's something i will other than caffeine that's the yeah. only speed i will be doing yes uh, later to become speed metal yes or thrash so yeah total connection mm -hmm. there and even they tried to do some early palm muting chugga chuggas in mm -hmm. there but it, the guitar tone wasn't just quite not, there not quite to there, do it. Yeah. but you could tell they, they, they were only trying. had it on nine right <laughs> whatever amp they were using there in Germany just yeah. you know they needed a couple of marshals alright I have one more for you alright and this is another British band and it's a band we've actually mentioned in a previous acid rock and proto-metal episode as the members of this band went on to be in other groups. So this is a heavy acid psych band formed in 1966. They're called Black Cat Bones. Now two, I'm going to tell you about the members of this band. Two okay. of his earliest members who unfortunately never recorded, they don't. we don't have them on this song that we're about to play, but two of the members, one being Paul Kossoff and Simon Kirk, those two would go on to form the band Free. Oh. I knew it was and, familiar. I couldn't quite place it. And later, Kirk would go on to form Bad Company. Mm -hmm. Other members... And Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers was in Free. And, and Bad, Bad Company. Company. Yeah. Right. So these two guys left. They met Paul and they formed Free. Now, other members of this band left to form another acid rock band that we've played. That's where we've talked about them before. Mm -hmm. We played a band called Leaf Hound, who were kind of Led Zepp-like. And we played them on episode 32. So we mentioned Black Cat Bones then. Now I'm going to play Black Cat Bones. Other members of this band have gone on to play in Foghat, Atomic Rooster, Cactus, Fleetwood Mac. So a lot of different British musicians were in this band. Unfortunately, they only made the one album, mm -hmm. and then these guys all went and did other things. Another really, really sought-after collectible album has a very famous album cover. It's almost like a like a Muppet-looking monster on the cover <laughs> eating a barbed wire sandwich, and the name of the album is Barbed Wire Sandwich. Oh, those are delicious. <laughs> so, so good. But the, the album cover looks like, remember the uh, Croft, what was it, Marty Croft and the, the H, you know, H.R. Puff and stuff. H.R. Puff and stuff. Yeah. Yes. It looks like a Croft type of puppet Muppet thing. Once again, right before my time, but, but still during still, this time. I, I know the reference now, but it was just a little earlier than my time to see it, like Romper Room and Captain Kangaroo and all those Sigmund shows. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Yeah, it looked really weird, but yeah, as like an that. adult looking at that going, we think Teletubbies are weird. Look at the stuff they were making. Well, I remember all of that Croft stuff. I, I always thought it was very like, well, yeah. this is way out ass stuff yeah like the bugaloos i'm trying to remember all yeah the all that stuff the bugaloos sigmund the sea monster mm -hmm. uh what was the other one that was they were in the dinosaur seals and croft <laughs> seals and croft. Oh, that was a different one <laughs> no the it was like a kid's land of the lost land of the lost you ever watch land of the lost once again i've seen like one or two episodes in reruns but oh, i man, was already getting old enough where it wasn't classic for me acid rock influenced <laughs> shows that yeah, we well, watched as children well now i've got to go back and go down a, a youtube 
rabbit hole to refresh my memory because I remember the names. I remember I think it was Sid vaguely. Marty Croft. Sid Marty Croft. That Marty sounds Croft. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was a kid, my brother and I would curl up on the couch with a blanket and a bowl of Count Chocula <laughs> and watch TV. On Saturday morning, there was only one show we were going to watch. No, the McLaughlin Group. Everyone in the industry knows they're a hard get, so, uh, so they're not here today. But as soon as that show was over, we'd turn to insane lizards, dinosaurs, and monkey people. To me and to tens of millions of others, those words can only mean one thing. The wonderful and weird world of Sid and Marty Croft. These two brothers were television pioneers and innovators. From their landmark kids' television series in 1969, H.R. Puffin Stuff. Yes. Through the 70s and 80s, and until today, they have proven that strange worlds with vivid colors and bizarre characters can exist and be experienced even without dropping acid. But HR Puff and stuff, I remember that name. And it was a big, was it orange? He was a big orange monster. dragon. Yeah. yeah. It was like the character in Bugs Bunny where we went to the haunted house and there was the big fuzzy <laughs> tall monster. <laughs> big fuzzy orange Same with, thing 20 years earlier. With the green sneakers on. Yeah, the green sneakers, but no arms. <laughs> he didn't have any arms. Did you know that Sid and Marty Croft had an amusement park in the original Omni when it opened here in Atlanta? Oh my God, that's right. I, no, I never saw it, but I remember seeing that as an article. That, that had to been trippy as hell. <laughs> it had to be awesome. <laughs> in Atlanta. We should talk to Curtis Longclaw. I bet he was there. I bet he went there or something. He's, you know, Mr. Retro. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should okay. talk to him and see if he let's, actually let's, saw that thing. If he's, if he's listening before we get a chance to reach out to him. He might not be old enough for that, but I'm just thinking if somebody would, <laughs> know, like something, if somebody would know something about it, yeah, he, would. he would. The CNN Center is also home to the world's largest freestanding escalator, which is approximately 193 feet long and eight stories high. Every day from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., this escalator leads tour groups into a giant globe high above the food court. But that hasn't always been the case. Back in 1976, CNN didn't exist yet, and this escalator didn't just drop you off in front of a bunch of newsrooms. No, this massive escalator would transport you into a very different world. The world of Sid and Marty Croft. Back in the early 70s, Atlanta was going through somewhat of a slump. The term urban decay had become frequently used when talking about the city, and the crime rate was steadily increasing. Needless to say, people were steering clear of downtown. Luckily, Maurice Alpert of Alpert Investment Corporation and Tom Cousins of Cousins Properties had just the thing to revitalize the area, Omni International. It would be a $65 million, 14-story, multi-purpose megastructure located next to the Omni Coliseum, which was already being used for concerts and sporting events. A deal was made and several major lenders helped finance the $14 million project, which actually ended up costing closer to $24 million. The banks made us open before we were ready. After about three months, the park was awesome. Near the end, it was incredible. But it was too late. Nothing seemed to work. They had expected 3,500 to 4,000 guests per day, but they were lucky if they got a little more than 2,000 people on a busy Saturday. The downtown Atlanta area was still considered too dangerous by a lot of people, and no amount of circus performers or mythical creatures could convince them otherwise. So just like that, only five and a half months after their dazzling, star-studded premiere, the world of Sid and Marty Croft closed its doors on November 7th, 1976. Anyway, 
back to Black Cat Bones. Their album cover looks like Sid and Marty Croft made it. Okay. Maybe they did. <laughs> I don't know. But they're more of a heavy blues psych band. So I'm going to end with this song from Barbed Wire Sandwich. This is Save My Love. <laughs> Cause I just met you I saved my love for you, babe Heaven takes me a lifetime You know I saved my love for you Save my love You better listen Cause I'm not quitting now Save my love Just can't lose I said my love
save my love You know I save my love for you The middle part of that song was badass. The rest of the song, I could take or leave it, but I was a little draggy there. A little draggy. Yeah. The now that you've mentioned, I can't not hear rhythm guitar playing single notes, the rhythm guitar and the bass playing in unison the entire song except mm-hmm. for the middle part. So yep. I can understand that for an intro, outro, accent area, but the entire song, I'm like, okay, come on, you can't sustain a song on that. So that middle part was heavy, really heavy, really heavy, and some badass guitar. Yeah. So that I would love to hear the middle part again. The rest of the song, I could, you know, I'd go without. The bass tone reminded me a lot of Geezer Butler's bass on the first Sabbath album. Mm-hmm. It's that same exact tone. I don't really know what it is, but it seems like the bass was so bottom heavy back yeah. in the day. The way they mixed it, it was just like fills up your entire headspace, the bass. Well, and plus when the guitar is playing single notes, there's a lot True. of room for right, it. Right, that's right. Once you start throwing in distorted chords, you don't get that today. it muffles it. You don't mm. get that kind of bass. No. The other thing I was thinking about as I was listening to all of these songs is there's this whole new, I'll put air quotes up, this mm. whole new psych movement movement that's been going on for the last couple of years with these bands who are kind of sounding like this. And even the production style is them trying to sound like this. We've played the OCs. No, yeah. Uh, There's several bands out there doing it, but it's kind of interesting that the techniques for recording, they've kind of gone back to this kind of style where you have a lot of separation in space and Mm -hmm. single notes. Well, I mean, still being done. It's it's just in contrast to what's we rail against constantly on the radio where it's just so much. Everything saturation. All the EQ is just completely shoved up. There's no room in it for anything. It's just noise, and it's considered heavy, but not to me. These old recordings, you get guitar on the left, guitar on the right, completely separated, Mm -hmm. and then I think the bass is so heavy because not only is it uh, the low tone of it, but also it's the only thing that you're getting fully in both sides. And then the drums, they have panned. Mm -hmm. There's some of these old recordings where the drums are actually in one channel on one side. Mm -hmm. That drives me nuts. (laughs) You, you can't keep, stand. You it. keep looking to the left. Where, wait a minute. Where, I don't hear drums it? just in one ear. It just is weird. Because <laughs> when, when you, you've that. played drums, so it's yeah. all around you. <laughs> it has to be panned. Yes. Oh man. Well, that's what I have for you this week. I hope, that was good. I hope it was a good trip. It was, groovy. It was a good trip. It was a very good trip. trip, man. And I get to go to bed before six o'clock in the morning. That's great because that's the worst part about it. True. Four o'clock in the morning, you're like, man, I'm really tired. This is I the real problem with drugs, kids. Yes. Not that doing them. It's that you can't turn them off. Yeah. There's no switch. There's no switch. You can do the Xanax and things like that but yeah first few times laying in bed at five o'clock in the morning you're like okay I just want to go to sleep man come on gotta find some downers give me some downers all the beer in the world will not make you go to sleep just make you go to the bathroom all right well with that I guess we'll sign off (laughs) later